0: Hello, and welcome to BREAD. We're a newish, open-minded, spirit-filled, non-denominational church meeting in the Los Feliz area of Los Angeles. We're the kind of Christians who like the Bible a lot, but we're not going to thump you with it. We believe in the world-changing power of Jesus and the present-day work of the Holy Spirit to change things. Right now, the whole world is in a process of adapting to new realities, and so are we. Building community and sharing all this love and power suddenly seems like it might become a bit more challenging. But really, how lucky are we that we're facing all this in the 21st century? Throughout the duration of this new world coronavirus order, we'll be doing all of church online, but we're not afraid. We worship a God who is bigger than all of this. We've seen it all before and will work all things together for the good of those who love him we love you, and we're here. Stay in touch and enjoy this podcast.
1: So I think one of the odd things about our current situation is this weird juxtaposition between two very contrasting feelings that we are having. On the one hand, it's hard to imagine a time where we've not only felt, but also been so alone. We're restricted to our homes, we're isolated, we are actually alone. Now, I'm lucky enough to be able to uh, run in Griffith Park. It's kind of on our doorstep, so I can just run straight out, and I've been running there uh, various times each week. And my run yesterday, as I'm running down, it's completely empty, as it has been since this thing started. Normally it's packed, but it's completely empty. But there are a few runners here and there. And as I'm running down, I see this runner coming towards me, and we're still quite far off. And the etiquette is, as I'm sure you'll understand, you kind of give each other a wide berth, you show each other which side you're going to go, and then six feet, and then, great, you passed. And probably a little hello, because you know we're all in this together. But anyway, this particular runner, when she saw me, and bear in mind, we were a long way away, she suddenly veers 90 degrees off to the right. And she runs uh, kind of through some hedges and uh, kind of through a fence and then over the road and onto this big steep grassy bank. And I thought, is that the way you're going? Is that how your run is going to proceed from here? But no, it turns out she was just giving me a very, very wide berth. Not a six foot wide berth, but like a 60 yard wide berth. And finally she rejoins the thing. And I thought of various things when this happened. Uh, one of which was, um, great, safety first, important. The other of which was, there aren't that many people in this park, but there are some people, and if you're going to give them that wide a bar- berth every single time, not a bath, a berth, every single time, then you are going to run a hugely long way, and I hope you're prepared for that. But thirdly, and, and actually quite seriously, what I felt was, um, wow, that felt horrible. You have made sure that you're nowhere near me, for very good reasons, obviously, but I feel incredibly lonely in this moment, that you don't want to go even close to me. I suppose it's probably a little bit like what lepers in Jesus' time would have felt like when they have to announce that they're a leper and everyone clears away. And it made me feel sad and it made me feel like, oh my goodness, this is not how humanity is supposed to be. We're not supposed to be distant from each other. There's, um, there was an overheard in LA Instagram post the other day of this self-isolating couple. And one of them says, I-, I think I need to see someone. The other one says, what, like a therapist? And the first one says, no, just like anyone. Because we're alone, aren't we? But on the other hand, and this is the weird paradox, I think it's possible to feel at the same time as this, wonderfully connected in a way that we normally never would. Across the globe, connected to people. There are Italians on balconies singing opera, and when I first saw it, I started crying. It was amazing. More than 500,000 people in the UK have volunteered their time to help out with the National Health Service. There was, I'm sure you've heard, this 72-year-old priest in Italy. Who sacrificed his his life, in fact, by giving up a respirator for a younger patient who he'd never met before. One man in Massachusetts bought all the flowers from a florist moments before it was being a mandatory shut down, and he distributed distributed them to everyone in the village, in the town, sorry. And a 98-year-old Second World War veteran has been discharged from hospital, having made a complete recovery from coronavirus. He is the oldest person so far to do that. A fifth grade teacher in Texas spent her whole weekend driving to every single one of her students' homes to honk the horn and then hold out a sign out of her window saying, Hi, I'm here, I miss you. Our 91-year-old neighbor has been cracking jokes to us over email about how he survived the Great Depression, so this is kind of like child's play for him. And we as a church, of course, as Hannah mentioned, have been doing prayer meetings and council meetings and staff meetings on Zoom. And let's be honest, they've had their awkward moments, as conference calls always do, I think. Actually, that should be one of our main takeaways. How can it be that conference calling is so bad? That's one thing we could solve. Like Skype was bad 10 years ago. Now, in present day, Zoom is like still bad. Let's sort that out, please, human race. But anyway, forgetting you know the should you keep your eyes open or should you close them when you pray forgetting the um have we unmuted ourselves etc etc the overridingly wonderfully brilliant thing about these is just very simply being able to see a bunch of other people's faces it's seeing that we're all in this together And the reason that these moments of shared experience move us I think is because they tell our spirits something that we are most in need of right here right now. That we are actually part of something that we are not entirely alone. Because that's how this whole thing of life was set up in the first place by God to be with one another and to be with him. So with this in mind this morning I want to consider God's nearness to us. It's so easy, isn't it, to trot out the phrase that God is always with us, he's everywhere, he never leaves us, without ever actually really taking the time to think what that actually means. So that's what I want to do today, is to take a moment to consider quite how mind-blowing, how extraordinary it is for this to be the case. And in doing that, most importantly, allowing him to be with us. Both in our times of feeling connected to one another and also, obviously, in our times of feeling alone. So, here is Tim with the Psalm of David.
2: Hi, my name is Tim and I'm coming to you from Silver Lake. I'm going to be reading Psalm 139, 1-18. through 18. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before the word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay my hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain where can i go from your spirit where can i flee from your presence if i go up to the heavens you are there if i make my bed in the depths you are there if i rise on the wings of dawn if i settle on the far side of the sea even there your hand will guide me your right hand will hold me fast if i say surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me even the darkness will not be too dark for you The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Where I, to count them, they could outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you.
1: So the belief in uh, God's omnipresence, his being everywhere at all times, is something that the Bible and theologians have maintained from the very beginning of their talk about God. Omnipresence, though, is a concept being so alien to our experience, our human experience, that we will always find it very difficult to get our heads around. As David says, it's actually just too wonderful. It's too lofty for us to ever grasp. But if we can catch just a glimpse of it, I think the extraordinariness of it will do our understanding and our experience of God no end of good. So what then do we mean by God being omnipresent? Firstly, we mean that God is everywhere at all times in his knowledge of us. We can know everything about a person in the public eye. We could read every interview that they've ever given. We could read their Wikipedia. Um, Entry, we could read articles about them and learn their histories and watch their interviews and track their Instagram and know a lot about them very well. We could know them from a distance and equally we could sit down face to face with our closest friend and we would know almost uh, as well as we know ourselves things about them. We can finish their sentences and preempt their thoughts and we can know what they're feeling just from little flutters of their eyelids or twitches of their lips. Well, God knows every single human being right up close. Verse one, he searches us and he knows us and he knows us from the wide angle of distance. You know when I sit and when I rise, you know my thoughts from afar. Our intimacy and our history, he knows it all. And what's more, when David says, verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, what the word completely conveys is complete completeness. When we look at ourselves, we see a little slice of ourselves in time. Perhaps we read a bit of our history into that present view. I will forever be the person who fainted, heroically, but nevertheless fainted at the birth of my first child. It's something that will always colour who I am in the present. It will also always colour our marriage for some reason. It's often brought up at dinner parties. But that's who I am in the present, a little bit of past. And we can also, of course, read a bit of our hope for the future into our present slice view of ourselves. I will at some point have a six-pack. It's going to happen, it is inevitable, or at least a four pack, or at least some sort of definition on some part of my body at some point. This will happen because it's gonna be in the future, and it's kind of who I am now. But ultimately, we only ever see ourselves as a slice in time. When God, by contrast, looks on us, he doesn't see a slice, he sees all our present, all our past, and all our future, all the time, in a moment. So, only God knows who we really are. And it's why, as we so often say, he knows us better than we know ourselves. It also is the reason why none of what we're currently going through individually, as a race, as a whole world, none of it is a surprise to him whatsoever. Because God is everywhere in his knowledge of all of us and the whole universe. And God, secondly, is also everywhere at all times in his presence with us. Verse 7. Where can I flee from your presence, says David. And the word for presence is synonymous with God's face. In fact, it's actually what it means. And this is important. Yesterday, it was Evie's 11th birthday, our eldest daughter, the one whose birth I fainted heroically now obviously she can't have a par- party she can't see her friends but we did say to her you can have any food that you like throughout the day so for dinner steak and chips good choice Evie. for lunch uh, we had what did we have silver lake ramen very good choice evie and for breakfast pancakes now normally she would want british pancakes but yesterday we had uh, fluffy american pancakes sort of this high British pancakes are, as you might imagine, kind of limp and flat, just what you'd think. Now I'm particularly good at making British pancakes, I'm not a great cook, but I can make British pancakes and the key is to have a very thin batter and to spread it as wide as you can for that limp thinness. Now, and this is the point and why I'm talking about this, God is not like English pancake batter. I know. Boom theological bombs being dropped here, mind-blown, it's okay, all in a day's work for me. God is not like English pancake batter. In that, he is not stretched thin across the whole universe, so that we only get a sort of dilute version of him at any given point. When David says there is nowhere that he can flee from God's presence, his face, he is saying that wherever he goes, wherever we are, God is there in his fullness, fully him. We see his face in every moment in time, in every point in space, all of him fully. So he is fully with us. How does that make us feel? I'm going to be honest, most of the time that actually makes me feel quite uneasy. Outside of the current coronavirus predicament I'd say the idea of God never leaving me that actually feels a bit suffocating now I'm not sure if this is the tone of David's psalm but when I read and when he says where can I go from your spirit if I go up here then you're there if I go down here then okay the way that comes across to me is yeah we're trying to get away from him because this is like too much this is a bit of a threat now I know I'm quite extreme in this But my greatest fear, and it's something that sort of plagues me as part of who I am, is that my fear is that I'm going to be controlled. That if I ever feel like my freedom is threatened, then I want to get away from that as quickly as possible. So the idea of God being everywhere, hemming me in, seeing it all, actually for a lot of time, this is quite uh, unreassuring. It's quite scary to me. And again, I'll be honest, there are times, even I know I'm supposed to be a perfect church leader, because all church leaders are perfect, but there are times when I know that actually, do I really want God's presence? Or do I just want to get on with it by myself? Because we can just get on with it. We can just put things together, and the idea of God being in it or not doesn't really you know, factor into it. In horribly stark terms. The idea that God is with us doesn't always have to be that important because we've got programs to run and services to put on and all the rest, etc, etc. But it's an illusion. It's an illusion that he's not with us and that actually we don't really need him. And this, I think, in these non-normal times, is what we can be very grateful for, that coronavirus has kind of shattered that illusion because right now we really really need him and what God's omnipresence says is that actually he's never left us such is his grace and faithfulness when we don't want him he's still there with us and when we desperately desperately need him he's still there with us even there your hand will guide me your right hand will hold me fast It means that he's there fully at all time in every hospital bed, in every ward, in every hospital, in every country across the globe. He's there in every filing for unemployment. He's there with all those you love the most in this world. He's there across national borders, across languages and divisions. He's there in every briefing room, in every respirator factory, in every vaccine lab. And he is there, of course, right now in your room with you, fully with you, his face angled towards you. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that mind blowing? But there's more. Because I don't think it's just our need of him when we do finally admit that actually we need him that makes his presence appealing. But it's also when we actually come to grips with what that presence is like. The nature of him. Because he's not just with us. He's also with us in power. Because his presence is creative and sustaining. He knit us together before we were born, and he sustains us for all our days. Consider this. If he can create such complexity and wonder as just one human being, let alone millions and millions and millions throughout all history, as well as the whole vastness of the universe and its galaxies, and he can sustain all of it, and he can do all of this, creating from nothing, ex nihilo, nothing and then everything, what can he do? What can he bring out of a crisis? His creative force cannot be constrained. And we can listen to his voice and we can follow his creative purposes. He works all things together for the good of those who love him. So this is actually an amazing opportunity to follow the spirits leading in all sorts of creative endeavors. I don't think, and I don't think any expert agrees that the world is going to be like it was. And so as people of the Spirit, let us fill the inevitable voids that will appear in our culture with God's creative, sustaining presence, and ask him to bring it all to life and to glory and to goodness. And let us also ask for him to do that in ourselves right now. That's what we need. And his presence is not just creative and sustaining, it's also liberating and resurrecting. Because as dark as this global darkness may be, as dark as any personal darkness may be for you, none of it is darkness to him. He is the blinding white light in whose presence all darkness flees. So let's pray to him knowing he dispels it all. He sets us free to be people of light and joy and care-freedness because we know that darkness will not overcome him. Just to end, the crescendo of this main section of the psalm is verse 18. When I awake, I am still with you. But it's a kind of weird ending because the whole psalm has sort of been about a journey of God's presence constantly with us from before we are even born through all the highs and lows of life to all the numbers of our days being ordained by God and so it's kind of culminating in the end of life so it's a bit weird for David to say and when I wake up again brand new day you'll be with me but of course the new day that David is talking about is not just a new set of 24 hours and the sleep that he has in mind is not a physical sleep this is life after death this is being with our God and one another, forever, in perfect, unadulterated unity. We don't need to fear death. It's like a moment's sleep for him. Christians don't need to fear death, though, because, we don't, uh, because we're wishful thinkers, and we don't need to fear it because we're not going to engage with the trauma and pain of it. It is horrible. Death is horrible. It is traumatic. It is awful. The pain is real. But we don't fear it because of those reasons. We fear it not because it's not the end and we know it's not the end. And the only reason we know it's not the end is because of a man in history who lived and who died completely alone. Completely isolated. Without anyone. But he died in order to live again so that no one not one person will ever ever be apart from him will never be alone from his presence or from all the people he, was cre- he created us to be with and that's what we're going to do now is to remember him hopefully you will have some communion, bread, wine, gluten heavy, alcohol heavy, you choose what you want, we're not going to dip, we don't have to dip, but this is a time to remember him and to ask his presence to meet us. In a moment, Ben is going to play our final song of worship, But as you take the bread and the wine in your own room, around the city, around the world, remember his presence and ask him to meet with you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are right here, right now. We thank you that you see all of us. That you love all of us. That you sustain all of us. And because of what you've done, we will never be alone. That you pour out your power into us to create and sustain, to redeem and resurrect us. And as we take this bread and this wine, we say thank you. And we ask that you would bring us to life, and our world back to life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Over to Ben. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back same time next week. Have a great Sunday. Have a great week. We love you. Don't be a stranger. Bye-bye.
3: that we thought were dead are breathing in life again you caused your sun to shine on darkest nights for all that you've done we will pour out our love this will be our anthem song Jesus we love you oh how we love these rats The one our own